I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is another installment of Convo by Design Presents West Edge Wednesday, a look back at all of the incredible programming from the 2023 edition of the West Edge Design Fair held at the Barker Hangar in Santa Monica, California. These conversations were held on a stage designed by Marbay Designs and presented by BR Home. This is part six in our series entitled Leveling Up, how minimizing waste leads to better design and better business. The design industry, disposes of over 12 million tons of furniture and generates 500 million tons of construction waste in the U.S. every year. Interior designers, architects, general contractors, and manufacturers are spearheading design solutions for a low-waste future. Learn how this is better for our health, the planet, and your business. This panel includes Claudia Afshar of Claudia Afshar Design, Rachel Grokowski of RGHA and D, Greg Roth of Carbon Shack Design, and moderating this conversation is Women in Luxury Design's Jennifer Convey. Thank you to Convo by Design partners and sponsors Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware for making the podcast possible. And thank you for listening and watching these episodes. For links to all our partners, guests on this episode, West Edge Design Fair, Marbay Designs, and BR Home, please check the podcast show notes for links. And you can find that at convobydesign.com and click the podcast tab. Thanks for watching and listening. Here's Jennifer Convey. Thank you, Josh. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. It's nice to see your nice faces. Did everybody uh, have a good time last night? Yes? Show of hands. How many were there? Yeah, good, good, good. Well, we know who the people, the empty seats, <laughs> stayed late. <laughs> I'm really thrilled to be here and honored. Um, thank you, ASID, Los Angeles, Jackie Steinberg right there for putting this fantastic group of talented people together. And I was just honored to be asked to step in to moderate, so um, a real privilege, and I'm very excited about this topic. First off, I just want to, first of all, read everybody's uh, bios. I have to read it because we've been editing truthfully right now, but they're so accomplished. Um, Claudia Ashfar, right here to my left, led by London-born and Los Angeles-based interior designer, Claudia. Um, she is a world-renowned luxury interior designer firm, and with projects worldwide, our talented, their talented team, extraordinary environments that redefine opulence, from lavish residence to boutique hotels, her timeless elegance and sophistication shines through. With international acclaim and industry awards, Claudia Ashvar Design is trusted by high-profile individuals and luxury brands. Claudia and her team advocates for eco-friendly solutions, which drives the team's efforts in incorporating sustainable material where possible, as well as collaborating with companies whose, benef whose beliefs align with theirs. Welcome, Claudia. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. A round of applause, please, for her. And next, our next lovely lady is Rachel Grochowski, founder and principal architect, RHG Architecture and Design. Welcome. <laughs> Rachel is an award-winning architect, designer, thought leader, and keynote speaker who is leading the conversation of designing what truly matters. She believes that design surpasses simply being beautiful. Design has the power to inspire a sense of calm, interconnectedness, presence, and gratitude, leading to the belief that design is spiritual. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. And last but certainly not least, in the bright orange jacket, we have Greg Roth, senior, woohoo, yes, you go ahead, you have fans, uh, senior interior designer, Carbon Shack Design. You may have seen the booth 
please do go see it today. Um, Greg brings more than 20 years of experience in the world of architectural, graphic, and interior design with a visual arts degree from Brown University and a Master of Architecture degree from Southern California Institute of Architecture. Greg spent several years in commercial and hospitality architectural design before segueing into residential interiors. As senior interior designer, um, I am so sorry, Carbon Shack Design, Greg focuses his talents, passions, and energies on creating vibrant, inviting spaces for contemporary living with a conscientious emphasis on sustainability. Greg approaches each project with earnest curiosity and diligence, seeking ways to find design solutions that enhance and optimize the client's experience. Welcome, Greg. Thank you so much. Glad oh, to be here. You are so welcome, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Okay, so just in case we've forgotten, because we've been talking for a while, this panel is leveling up how minimizing waste leads to better design and better business. Um, guys, I just want to read a quick description of this. We are in an industry that tosses out over 12 million tons of furniture and generate 500 million tons of construction waste in the U.S. every year. Interior designers, architects, and general contractors and manufacturers are spearheading the design solutions for a low-waste future. Learn how this is better for our health, the planet, and your business from all of these fabulous people here today. So that's the discussion. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. So, so tell us, each of you are, you know, experts in your field, and you've been long, um, this is a mission, a passion mission for each of you. So I would just like for you, in your own words, we'll start with you, Claudia, um, how important is this mission to lower the waste in our design industry? How urgent is it? It's, it's very urgent. <laughs> um, but I think, hello, firstly, thank you for having me today. Thank you to the AI. Thank you, SDA. I appreciate it. Um, I think as a designer, people get uh, confused or maybe overwhelmed with the thought of sustainability because it's just where do you start and how do I incorporate that into my practice? And so I think today it was really important for me to be here and, and be up here with these guys to really see how we could help the community and educate everybody as a team to say, hey, it's actually not that difficult. And even if you just do little things in your practices, it will make a huge difference to our community as a whole. I'm not saying go in there and only use sustainable products, only shop and reuse everything that you can on the project. That's not necessarily our intention. It's basically all the different ways that you can take a little bit and emphasize it into your own practice. We'll get into it. We'll get more. into it, definitely. And Rachel, you know, your practice, I know, uh, again, this is a passion mission. It's part of your business. Um, explain how urgent uh, and important this is to you in your field. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, for me, I was born into a family of environmentalists, so it's not just part of my business, it's part of who I am. And so, you know, this idea that we need to be conscious of the materials we're using uh, is something that 25 years ago I was thinking about in grad school and told, don't bother, right? So I feel like 
this conversation, I feel, I feel a little bit like, thank God, like we're finally here. We're finally actually looking at it in a way that's not just about greenwashing or not just about, uh, you know, passive solar. Like there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, but I agree that it's the small steps. It's about acting responsibly as an individual and making decisions whether your clients really know or not. Uh, that, that is going to change the industry and uh, hopefully make a big difference for our world. Hopefully. Thank you. And Greg, how important and urgent is this in yeah, your world? Yeah, it's uh, extremely important and extremely urgent. And I think that what I feel is important for us to do as designers and leaders in the community is to bring awareness there is a lot that can be done. There's a lot to do, and, and it can be overwhelming. And I think if you start with being aware of just having a consciousness of what is happening in the industry and what you can do, that's where we can make a difference. I mean, you know, there's so much emphasis on um, pollution and, and ways that we can make a difference in the cars we drive or the energy we use in our homes, there's a lot of emphasis on that and there isn't that much, generally speaking, in our industry. So bringing awareness to the fact that there's a lot of work that we have to do, right. I think is where we can begin. Right, no, absolutely. And really, all of you and everybody here in the design industry, the luxury design build industry, you know, we can be the stewards for change and educate our clients and, and our vendors and people. But you know, the question is, and you bring, each of you bring up, awareness. Where do you start? You know, start small, but how? So we're gonna unpack some of that here today. Um, I'd love to know the specifics. Give us some specifics. For instance, um, in sustainability practices and thoughts and philosophy in your firm, it, no matter how small, big, uh, Claudia, go ahead. Yeah, so we, um, many years ago, we were doing a celebrity's house and he was on set doing a big movie and we had about four months to renovate 16,000 square feet. And I mean, brand new kitchens, brand new drapery, new furniture, everything. And so we came in and I was like, this is so exciting. I'm so, I can't wait to work on this project, but I'm so upset about how much waste we're just gonna junk. And I had no understanding at the time what to do with all the material. So we had drapery that was 18 feet long and appliances that were brand new that we could never use. Um, never been used and we were just checking them out because the client didn't want them and so I came back to my team at the time and I said listen most of us are European I come from a different upbringing where waste is not this to this magnitude and how can we as a team be working to actually give back to our community and actually dedicate some time towards a passion that we're all sustainably proud of so we looked into nonprofit organizations here locally that we could donate some of the appliances. Um, actually, H&M at the time were doing things, didn't matter if it was clothing, but it was just fabric in general. You could give them tons and tons of fabric and they would break it down, refine it and use it to basically make new clothing out of. Um, That's fantastic, yeah. So reuse, of, repurpose. Exactly. Right. We're, not, we're, not gonna, we're not the type of company that's going to say, hey... We can reuse this in your project. We understand high-end clients don't always want to reuse what they're getting rid of. But if you come in there with an intention and actually an understanding and you're educated as to different nonprofits and different localizations and different options, 
they really actually admire it and welcome it, and they, right. they, they really want it. The key is finding out where and how to find those, which we'll dive into. So we, we were yeah. even, sorry, one other thing no, was even please. boxes. You know, boxes is, you do an installation, and you may have hundreds and hundreds of boxes being dismantled, and then the plastic that's in the boxes, yeah. and all the junk that's everywhere, and you can't wait to get it off the job site. Right. It just goes to the landfill. I so know. we were looking at ways to find secondary companies that would take those boxes exactly. and reuse them right. for another person's installation. I know a cardboard recycler. Anyway. <laughs> and just one thing before everybody gets involved, but we've been speaking with the GFDA. They haven't oh, got. Talk about it. They haven't got a huge presence here yet. Yes, but they, GFDA. They're here. Yes. They're making their way to Los Angeles, and it's a privilege because Good Future Design Alliance. I recently discovered them. Uh, they're in the house. Uh, amazing, amazing organization. We're gonna jump into that a little bit more, but you must find them. Go online. Definitely speak with her today. Yeah. Um, but we're really excited that she's here, Catherine's and so right happy here. to be a yeah. part of it. Wonderful. So uh, our philosophy has been: there's a lot of similarities, of course. Uh, you know, where we started. When I was working for other firms, we really didn't focus on sustainability or where to put the product that we were pulling out uh, of houses, whether it was furniture or it was architectural elements. And I really got uh, down on the industry. I felt like I really wasn't in my purpose. I wasn't really sure how much longer I could create luxury for vanity. And so I actually started looking around at, you know, maybe doing product design and focusing on uh, repurposed materials. Um, somehow I got back into architecture and design, started my own firm. And at that point, that's when I was really able to dive into the, all of these aspects. I actually, in that time in between, I had been living in Atlanta and I came across this organization uh, called The Warehouse. No, sorry, that's the one in New Jersey. Um, it was an organization that I volunteered for where you could donate your furniture and it was then used for people who were recently homeless. And so uh, that was like my first thought of like, wait, what can I do? What can I do? to make a difference, not just for the waste that we have, but for people in need. And where that gave me a sense of purpose again. Uh, so we started, every time we would start a project, we'd look for where, we, where can we place this furniture. Also, we started doing lead certified projects uh, where we, of course, were taking the material out of the building, recycling. Uh, also saving elements from the building that would either end up uh, being a design element. I also started a furniture line at that point that's called Legend by RG, where we took the structural material out of the buildings that's and really then cool. repurposed it into furniture. So we really dove in and you know, I think once you find the resources, it becomes easy to do. Much it easier. Can become it's part how of your to find practice. them, where to look. Yeah, but it's over people. time. Yeah, it right? is. Because you because you can't you can't spend all of your time finding these resources. No, that's a full time job. Yeah, it that's, is a full time job. We're gonna pick your brains. Yeah, <laughs> Greg. Yeah. Uh, yes, let's let's hear yeah. some so of the things you do. I think the 
we start with conversations with the clients and ask them uh, what their interest level is in sustainability, in uh, reducing waste. And if it's not on their consciousness, we bring it to their consciousness. Uh, we were at a client this week, actually, they want to rip out their kitchen, which they need to because it doesn't look like anybody can use it. And, um, but they have appliances, they have cabinetry that is still functional. So we had a conversation with them about finding organizations to make donations of these items to, and then they get a tax write-off and they're on board. So that's one way that we put this, these ideas into practice. Another one, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned packaging and cardboard and plastics. It's great to find another use for them, but it's also great to make it known to the suppliers that you find this to be problematic and uh, work with them at the source to find other ways, other uh, materials and other um, ways of using those materials that are less wasteful. Another... The, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Um, go, go no, ahead. No, no. Go so ahead, uh, it reminded me, uh, it was probably now like 15 years ago, that there was, and I don't even remember what the brand was, but we kept ordering from a company who was packaging their stuff with this foam. It was like a spray foam. And we couldn't, it would be like this tiny little thing in this huge box with like a massive amounts of chemical foam. And, you know, we contacted them and we talked to them about it and they actually changed their practices. That's so it actually great. does make a difference. And you're being an advocate. You know, you're the consumer, so you're right. paying for the product. And if you demand, as the designer who's making those That's purchases, right. that they do, they change their ways and practices, then they listen. A lot of times they'll listen. Another thing to add is, you know, yes, if you can purchase locally, use local mill workers and things like that, you're obviously in luck and helping yourself. But if you can't and you're ordering from Italy, like many of us do, we even sometimes will try and find a, um, like a storage unit that will, will basically take care of everything. And then we have everything ship in one go as opposed to having multiple shipments. Firstly, that's great for the client because they're not paying for endless amounts of shipment. And secondly, you're just being very, you know, thoughtful about, you know, the sea and everything right. else. So we really try and think about that. Right. Couple things uh, that you covered. So um, Europe, for instance, is way ahead of us in the waste. You touched upon that, which you were shocked to see the amount of waste here. It just simply doesn't happen. I was just in Phoenix where, you know, part of California, Phoenix, we all share the same water supply. You know, we were getting fined here. There were no fines there. <laughs> they have less water. They're the desert. Um, and we did a panel there on this Australian um, ASID, Northern Arizona Australian uh, board member, who is an interior designer, stood up, and she was kind of riled, and she says, I don't understand. You know, in Australia, it's just a way of life. We use gray water for, you know, agriculture, and we, everybody uses it, everybody does that, every, it's just mandatory, and it's regulated. And I don't understand if there's, and I said, so are you saying there needs to be repercussions and punishment for people to do this? Well, maybe so. Maybe so. It works if you hit their pocketbook, you know? It's like, ah, oh, I got to think about this, you know, despite yourself. So I'm wondering if your clients are becoming sustainable despite themselves, if you can sneak in just better choices. Hopefully that's the goal. We just make better choices naturally, right? I mean, I think that's, I think that's the point is, you know, we're in an, we, we know what the industry is. So 
if we can tap into our own ethics and our own values and then operate that way, then there's no question. We don't have to ask the client, do you want this sustainable material? We might present, we don't even have to tell them that it's sustainable or we don't have to tell them that we've called the organization to remove the cabinets and the appliances and by the way, they're going to get a tax no, credit. No, but when you do tell them, they actually really like it. They're very yeah, happy. But some, yeah. sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes they're just like, hey, that's too oh, much Oh, I feel good about myself you know, now. Because <laughs> the, the general contractors, they won't necessarily do it. Yeah. We, as, we right. as designers and architects have to coordinate yes. it. So, no, you're right. Like, so, but sometimes they're like, uh, you know, does that cost more? I had a client recently who we were stripping the woodwork and they, they said, well, isn't it cheaper if we use a chemical strip? And I said, well, yes, maybe, but it also is not just a chemical for you and your family, but it's the people who are actually stripping the wood. Oh, yeah. So once I made it personal for them, they were like, yes. Well, but I think you need that, to. Like, no. I think when you make the argument about personal wellness and health inside the home, That's a good that argument. is a different conversation. Right. I mean, we're having the same conversation, yeah. but with the client, it rings a different bell sure than sustainability and and the planet. Sometimes. So that also factors into families. I'm sure all I, of us work with families, and everyone, especially in the high-end bracket, they really care about their children, like as we all do, but they want non-toxic paints, and they want to be mindful about the rugs that the kids are on. And so every time you can... I think as designers, you just get very comfortable with your, with your roller deck. Your go-to list. Your go-to. The people that deliver, exactly. the under pressure. Exactly. You know, uh, I, know I know these guys for faucets. I know these guys for this and that. <laughs> if you can extend yourself a little bit and educate a little bit to those non-toxic solutions, it's right. just nice to be able to offer that to the clients as well. Right. Not always just be stuck in your right, same. Right. If I may, um, there, there seems to be um, more prevalent uh, attention to sustainability. I'm seeing it in the markets and discussions, whereas a few years ago, we wouldn't be the first panel of West Edge. Um, just saying. It's true, and it's nice to see that. But I'd love to know from each of you, and you are touching upon it a little bit, you know, we did hear, and we continue to hear about wellness, right? So for each of you, and you are touching upon, what is the intersection from health and wellness and sustainability? Because I'd like to address that, because I think there's some confusion sometimes, but there is overlap. Yeah, well, I, I want to just jump back one second to your comment about Australia. And I think, you know, I was saying before that we as designers and, and um, builders can have an influence on the industry, but I also think there's an issue of policy. I don't know what the policies are in Australia, but the policies here, there's a lot of room for change for uh, incentivizing producers and consumers to be more mindful, to be less wasteful, and to uh, have a conscience Right. about what we're doing and the, the sort of landfills that we're creating out of our industry, right? So right. I think we also have an opportunity to advocate uh, and ask our uh, city and local and government officials yeah, to look at those yeah. ideas. Also, you talked about, um, you know, we had a talk about this. You were talking about people, designers can go to vendors, you know, ask for eco-friendly fabrics and say, well, if you get them, I'll come and buy them. Yeah. <laughs> they know they have a customer and you're they, requesting it. They are so much more available now. Yeah, you really are. can get they you know, friendly fabrics. And we use them all the time, indoor-outdoor fabrics that we can use in a house. And we intentionally right. want that you know, so that families right. can 
dogs, kids, etc. But it's still super luxurious. They're now even adding like a cashmere feel to a lot of those indoor outdoor fabrics. So you'd never know. Quality is progressing. And I think it's in production as well as in our supply and also what we're buying. But um, I just think it's about us being mindful, but also the client will benefit as well from those items. I think when people think about sustainability, they think it's going to be ugly. And that's been the general for a really long time. Right. But that's, that's just luxury. not the case. Luxury, you don't think sustainable. Gosh, it can't be pretty. That's not the case anymore. I know. That's it's not true. the case. And there's so many Questions different are solutions. Coming. What? No, we're going to have Q&A after. <laughs> yeah. I can't hear you. We'll do it later. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, I want to read you something here. I saw this great article, and it was abandon, abandoning demolition in favor of deconstruction. Now, I really want to talk about that. Um, it's the practice of dismantling building components so that they can be used again instead of becoming waste in a landfill. So, so what are the, some of the ways you touched upon it, Rachel, because... You have, um, and, and you do it. But let's talk about some of those things, dismantling kitchens. Have another article here. Um, this article was of this year. I just want to read this to you. Americans were estimated to spend $427 billion on home improvement this last year. And it, that was approximately the price they spent in 2022, right? We're all home in lockdown going, hmm, if we improve, it surpassed new build by 20%. That's been the first time in decades. Kitchen renovations and bath re remodeling are the most popular home improvements. That's 80% of the remodeling business. Now, um, this is astounding. So obviously kitchens and baths add to a home's value and things, but what happens to a perfectly good kitchen with appliances that still work and those get in a dumpster? put out front. I've heard some really interesting things that you can do. Um, Greg, do you want to address that? Yeah, there are plenty of organizations, yeah. more and more these days, that will uh, take those appliances, those cabinets, those countertops, the flooring, and repurpose them. Um, they'll either sell them, they'll donate them, they'll refurbish them. So really, again, it's about educating and awareness and looking for those organizations. There's one called... Um, Renovation Angels, there's uh, Remove, there's Reapley. There are many organizations across the country. Uh, here locally, we have one called Unbuilt that will take architectural, structural elements. Renovation Angels, Rebuilt, Unbuilt. Un unbuilt, yes. Unbuilt. So awesome. the deconstruction, the idea of deconstruction is growing, and I think it's extremely important because uh, the kitchen and bath the refuse from kitchen and baths accounts for an, a, a tremendous amount of that yeah. uh, garbage, that trash. So there's really a huge opportunity. And we just need to stop and think. It's like when you, when you engage a client or a client engages you, there's a lead time before that uh, deconstruction happens. So there's an opportunity to stop, have a conversation, and figure out what to do, what can be salvaged, and where to, to salvage it and right. send it. I heard an architect talk about he was redoing his own house and he, he called up, he put it online and, and then he called up a couple of organizations and said, listen, I'm going to have all the hardware out on the front, just come and get it. <laughs> I'm going to have all the sinks and everything else. And the, you Even know, Craigslist or Facebook Craigslist, Marketplace, just Facebook. tell people it's here, come let get go. it. There's free. a let go site, every neighborhood has one for free. You just the come pick it up. You can get things for free. You can donate. Yeah. 
I think, you know, one of the other things that we have to think about is, you know, all of us order a lot of product that comes slightly damaged. And we're kind of told, don't bother shipping it back, right? So what do we do with that product? Um, we often will donate that product to either, uh, right. you know, to Habitat for Humanity yes. or um, other organizations. Store. Yes, exactly. Because store. that waste, it's like, it's I don't huge. know, it's more, it's more frustrating than, than yeah. ripping out it's a kitchen. It's stupid waste. I know it's a lot about waste. this, that particular area, um, uh, about upscaling up, up and uh, repurposing furniture and that kind of stuff. Um, it's a huge, huge problem. So there's this wonderful nonprofit based out of Dallas. Um, we did a pilot for a TV show with them uh, recent years, and... Um, it's called Well with Dignity. And what they do is they kind of cover all bases. They have a sale of that furniture. Listen, if a designer orders, you know, an eight-layer lacquered piece of gorgeous Italian furniture and it comes off the boat, they've waited nine months, it, completely scratched beyond repair because they do have tricks, they're not going to ship that back. But they're also not going to give it to the Section 8 housing nonprofit that they have for single moms. So... What they do is they have a fair, and they put all those white elephants, those furniture pieces, they go to the stores. Neiman Marcus is, is a donor. I mean, they have huge donors. And they say, listen, you get the tax write-off. We'll take the furniture. We'll sell it at a cost to designers. But that money goes to the, re, to the, the apartment makeover of Section 8 houses. They need five grand per room, and it's... Uh, beautiful, like anything you would, any of us would want to live in. And they also have fabric, pillows. Um, if a hotel chain does remodel, let's say a Hil the Hilton Hotels, let's say they're going to change their decor or a fabric was discontinued, but they want them all to have the same look. So they've quite literally got hundreds of thousands of yards of fabric that they can't use anymore. And that would go into a landfill, but not anymore. Now people are aware of this. You know, that's a lot of pillows, a lot of bedding for people, especially for people um, who are, have nonprofits for the unhoused that are getting housed. Anyway, that's my two cents. Please jump in because I know you have stories of, of these kinds of things that people can go to. I know we're going to do questions in a minute. Yes. But I did overhear what you, what you oh, said. Oh, good. What did she say? And, and I completely agree with you. I don't have all the solutions, but I don't know your name either. So, hello. <laughs> But um, she was saying, you know, okay. sometimes I'm also, you know, a little fathom by you can be a broker in the city and everyone goes under one contract. And right. so everyone does their contracts the same way. And that's how you operate. Right. As a designer or an architect, every practice has a different contract with their clients. And so I think it's up to us speaking today to really share with you if we do have those you know, like Habitats of Humanity, and we do have those local nonprofits. There should be a platform. I'm hoping maybe we could discuss that with the GFDA yes. that you guys can go to, myself included, and educate. You know, I need boxes recycled, I need fabrics, or where can I go? That's you a know, great source. It would be such yeah. a great solution for all the designers and architects to be able to have that platform. Right. So I support you and I follow. I follow. I, okay, but I, well. let, let me <laughs> let, let me also Roseanne. So, so there is um, there is an organization, a website that has a list of places you can donate the furniture to around the country. 
Um, and right. that one, I actually wrote it down because I, I'm that point in my life where if I don't write it down, <laughs> I might not remember, but it's the, the Furniture Bank Association. And they Furniture have, Bank Association. Yeah, okay. and, and so, you know, I think it might be the same organization that I originally volunteered for 20 <laughs> years ago in Atlanta, but now they're a national organization <laughs> that, that has right. names of uh, different local organizations. There's one in San Diego, one in uh, San Francisco, but there's not one in L.A., so, uh, you know, somebody can start that. That'd be right. a great, a um, great I want to talk about GFDA. Um, would you, you're, you're deeply involved in this, Greg. Would you tell everyone about the organization? Because we really do want to cover that. Sure. It's a yeah. great source. Yeah. So, um, well, Claudia and I are the co-founders of the Los, An Los Angeles chapter of the GFDA, the Good Future Design Alliance, which is based out of San Francisco. Um, and the mission of the organization is really about educating um, people about uh, waste in the design and construction industries and looking for solutions and also supporting the members and connecting members. So it's, it's networking and education and awareness. Uh, we are working on a database that would include a lot of these resources and educational um, events and opportunities uh, for not just for members, but for the community at large. So there's a lot of work to be done as we've been talking about, and this organization is really uh, at the forefront of, of creating that education, uh, advocating for change, and working with not only the industry, but policies, um, policymakers, and just connecting people and making sure that everybody knows there are resources for addressing these issues. Another thing, I'm not saying go into a house and only to use sustainable products because it's not easy. It's not easy, especially if you don't know where to start. So do what you're doing. Everyone's encouraging you to make your beautiful homes Any and do steps. a wonderful job. But it's just the little steps of how you can educate right. and progress. I've just done a line with Constantino and it, it launched actually yesterday. Globally, Congratulations. So we're very excited. We love Constantino. Um, Constantino really were hand in hand very much. Um, we aligned completely about our uh, beliefs in sustainability and they are very active in sustainable and, um, and less waste. And what they do on a large magnitude is absolutely just so mind-blowing and, and very exciting to be a part of. So, listen, we all love natural stone, but it's not always practical in loads of areas. And so, when you have a client that only wants limestone from Italy and is shipping it all out, but it's going to be in direct sunlight, and you know it's sitting around a swimming pool, and there's going to be a million children, and you have a product that looks identical, and it's going to be seven times probably cheaper, and there's no upkeep, and you know it's sustainably friendly, why wouldn't you consider suggesting that to the client? You can still do the natural stone in the master suite, in the featured areas, but there is this, you know, it's like a, a cheap pair of jeans with expensive shoes. You can still make it look good. So Sorry I'm all my life. about that. <laughs> and, you know, and I think the clients are really grateful that you bring it to their attention. They don't always have to spend top, top money. Um, and then also another thing to consider is actually buying the correct amount of yes. product, not yes. overspending For on instance. so much square footage of waste, whether it's wall coverings, whether it's slabs, whether it's tiles, push your push your subs to be responsible in that regard. Yeah, there has to be some overages, but you Buy know. more, right? Just in case. But it's like, 20 yards too much that you do much. not need. <laughs> you know, or you it's... You can't justify that cost either you'll, to your You'll client. do a 10% like, overage on a job and they'll right, miscalculate yeah. 30%, and you're stuck right. with stuff sitting in the front yard right. that you're like, oh, we didn't need it. <laughs> there's, you know? a, and, and, there's a designer and it's that work. Would, 
Uh, I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, it's doing, it's doing your work as a designer, too, because, you know, how many times have you been told you need four slabs but you really of stone, but you only needed three, right? And what happens with those slabs? Well, somebody else gets the money from that, right? Like, your client has paid for the material yeah. that's and, getting and paid for twice. And not cheap. And no, you know, exactly. We've fortunes yeah. on slabs. Yeah. What are some of the great sustainable brands? I know Kohler has put in a huge effort. Yes, right? I, yes, they have. Laura Kohler is well, spearheading all of this. I've gone to Miele. some talks. Miele. Miele. Doing a lot. Yeah. Well, give I mean, us some a other. Great, there's what? a great startup here in Los Angeles called Carbon Shack. Oh, yes. I've heard of them. They're really, hey, and the owner is Furniture, like amazing. tiles, fabrics, lighting. So, <laughs> but honestly, there are a lot, there are more and more brands that yeah. are jumping on the bandwagon, so to speak, not because it's, simply because it's the thing, but also because people are demanding it. Yeah. So you just have to sort of do a little bit of a dive and make sure that what they're saying about their sustainability practices are, is true. It's really it. So, the, you know, there's hemp rugs, there's sustainable rugs, there's wall coverings, there's all kinds of things. And actually, we have some of those things here. Greg, tell them about the plastic chairs. You've got to see this stuff. The building blocks of plastic. Just so we generally explain it. try to shy away from plastics and fossil fuel products. <laughs> but we uh, found a company in the South Bay called Bifusion that uh, takes plastic and, and trash out of the oceans and out of the, the, off the land as well, and compacts the plastics into uh, construction grade blocks, which are, uh, can be used in, in, in building homes and buildings. And we've made a line of furniture out of them, uh, which means carving them a bit and cutting them and stacking them. And every bit that is cut and the sort of uh, plastic dust that's created from the process can then be sent back to them and put back into uh, more blocks, so it's completely circular, and we are pulling trash out of the ocean to make beautiful furniture. So you've got to see low it. waste and sustainable. It's colorful. It's stacked. They're building like yes, yes. A round of applause. You got to see it. I saw it in the brochure for West Edge, and you got to go see this stuff. It's so fun. It's so great. You. you have sofas in it, but anyway, you got to go see it. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about um, Rachel. You talked about sort of. Um, I know it's part of your philosophy um, in our talk a while ago about choosing things, being really um, sustainable-minded when placing things in your home. And that whole, if you would go into all of that, because it was really beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think part of this whole conversation to me is um, it's, it, it's, wellness and sustainability and that's how it's all tied together right like which actually goes into how we make decisions so in our environments you know how can we support each other connection with each other connection with ourself connection with nature uh, and be mindful about what we're creating and that when we uh, when we're mindful about those decisions, we're creating spaces that we can come back home. We can come back home to ourselves. So that's really where I come from as a, uh, in this conversation. And for some reason, I'm definitely not being as eloquent as I was when we were on our call. And I have a feeling it's... I have you know, it it's here. Just, it, it's just, it's like, because it's so, it's no, so personal it's to me. It's so right. much about um, creating space to breathe. Yes. 
And in order to do that, you're making decisions that are mindful and authentic to, you know, humanity. Yeah, really. space to breathe. I need some of that advice, yeah. you know, clutter and more things. And you said to um, choose things that bring you joy, maybe memories, travel. Right. Be it, specific. It, and it's, it's, about, it's also like choosing, choosing artisans that you know. There's a story behind it. There's a connection right. to it. It's, uh, it's a little bit like, you know, when home-cooked meals are cooked with love and you feel that in the, in the flavor of the food. Like, that's what, how I feel about design, right? Like, if we are really putting all of that into our projects, mm-hmm. we're making good decisions, creating... Uh, space to think and connect, and it makes the whole project much more beautiful. Wonderful. Um, I just have some quotes from our phone chat. Um, Be the change. Start by choosing three sustainable materials and grow it. Uh, Do your research. Uh, Designers can go to local vendors and ask, show me your eco-friendly fabrics, your eco-friendly whatever. And, uh, well, if you have it next time, I'll come and buy a whole bunch, right? That Actually, will help. even for appliances. Even for so, appliances. Oh, know. let's talk about appliances. Yeah. I saw this scary news article. I swear to God, it was last week. Um, <laughs> it was just on regular local news. Uh, the, the study has come out that gas stoves emit more benzene, the harmful uh, gases, uh, equivalent to breathing secondhand smoke. I went, what? What? I'm a huge fan of gas. I mean, this whole changeover. But I'm like, really? Oh, my gosh. No, they did. They said, as dangerous, as much as secondhand smoke. Think about that for a second. Chefs cooking inside crowded kitchens, your family gathering. I mean, wow. So this is uh, infuriating to me. And I feel that the, uh, the industry, the gas and oil industry um, has done an amazing job at romanticizing that blue flame. And good for them that they did such a good job. And now here we are breathing in the, the results of that. Um, and there's a lot to be said for cooking on, uh, on an open flame. There's also a lot to be said for having a home that doesn't make you sick. Yes. And a home that doesn't make the earth sick. So there's incredible technology now in induction cooktop uh, ranges and stoves that uh, can be a solution, an answer to that problem. Um, Thermador is making an incredible product. That Thermador, um, if you can afford that, and uh, that is very versatile, and the way that it heats and cooks food is super, super impressive. Uh, And obviously there are less expensive brands as well. And there's just a huge learning curve to get people on board. Uh, But when you see articles like that, there's there's a bit of an impetus for for doing it and support, I would say. Definitely. You were going to say something. Yeah, I I came back from a panel in Cancun and I was with the CEO of Miele. And, you know, he's also very active about what they can be doing for, you know, all of their product. And Miele is obviously a monster machine and and a wonderful brand, and we use them frequently on on many of our projects. But just in case you didn't know, they are doing, um, they have 20 years of supply where they actually store those parts so that should one of your pieces break, like a microwave, they can still service you. 
you know, they really are mindful, even though they're coming out with innovations all the time and incredible new products, they still want to be able to facilitate. That's so, fantastic. And Cola too. Cola, Laura Cola, I mean, she's doing Beautiful incredible products. things for the industry and she's making a huge movement in it along with Constantino. And it's been a pleasure to kind of be alongside them, speak to them directly and, and hear about some of these innovations. And if you share interest, I mean, even when you order some of this product, ask them, what are you doing? I know that Cola have a tile. They break down old toilets and into literally powder, and then they make tiles, and they have a tile factory in Cola That's Town. That's brilliant, right? Where you, so brilliant. They make all these beautiful tiles. We've all seen toilets on the alley or street, something. You just go, even, what? You know, even La Cornu, which is... Uh, Yes. makes incredible ovens and uh, they have a great classic look to them. They're also making induction cooktop, cooktop ovens with that same look. Wow. So, you know, if it's you're going to go... Becoming, induction I think is it's a becoming, um, I think it's becoming mandatory. Yeah. From what yeah. I heard, so there's, yeah. it's becoming more mandatory. So when that's where really government guys. regulation yes. makes uh, an impact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So the intersection of health and wellness and sustainability, I mean, how can it not overlap? if you're making best choices for your clients, for yourself, for your life, for the planet, and so on. Um, I wanted to read a great quote that I saw online from GFDA. <laughs> Hold on. Um, they have this wonderful page, and it's sort of a forum, and you can go right on it, and it says, uh, our vision, it's a great quote, a world where every designer has been trained in low-waste protocols, Every builder has a trained deconstruction and sustainability expert on staff. And recycling and reuse of materials is a line item on every demolition bid. Every architecture and interior design school includes modules on low waste design and responsible removable. What's your vision for the future? I love that. What's your vision? Any comments on that? Or should we open it up to questions? I would just say one, one thing. When no, we we no. do a lot of product lines, and I think every product line that we've partnered with, we always, it's our first question, what do you offer in sustainability and how can we, you know, when we did the rug line, we really wanted to not just use the silks and uh, the, the wools. We were like, do you have hemp silks? So do you have... So much water. Other things, exactly. In, other materials. And, and the clients actually at our price point wanted that. They wanted an, Isn't an that alternative. Nice? So you're not getting resistance. How is the temperature read? Honest, um, yeah, no, they, they, they want go, it. Oh, if you great. offer it, yes. That's great to hear. They'll pay a premium even to have it, even wow. though it shouldn't be a premium. You know, right. it should not. But... Um, so I just think it's, it's about if you're doing product design or you're just residences or hospitality, it's up to us as designers to be educated all around. Who are the stewards yeah, yeah. And, and I think just yeah. action, 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 right? Like the education, I have a lot of team members who've come out of school talking about like their certificate and, and uh, sustainability or whatever, but they come in and they have never asked, my team members have never asked a question about sustainability. They have never pushed the envelope. So the education is one thing, but you know, we actually have to do it. You have to get in the we habit of taking action yeah. to actually implement it. I want to make a little plug for hemp yes. as a fabric. Um, there are a lot of amazing fabrics out there uh, and a lot of um, eco-friendly fabrics. There's nothing more eco-friendly than hemp, and it comes in an incredible array of weaves and textures and can be used in a lot of different uh, applications. Uh, I want to quote a statistic because it, to me it's shocking. To grow and produce 
and make one pound of hemp fabric requires 50 gallons of water. To grow and produce and make one pound of cotton fabric requires 2,500 gallons of water. Hemp is UV resistant, mildew resistant, and pest resistant. You so, think cotton natural? Oh. Yeah, organic cotton, <sighs> great. Not as great as organic hemp or even non-organic hemp. So hemp, hemp, hemp. Hemp, hemp, hemp. And hemp insulation, not just Absolutely. fabric. I mean, hempcrete. It's used yeah. in all Everything. kinds of applications. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, well, guys, uh, I think this has been such a, a great, jam-packed informational uh, talk. Really, really appreciate all of your input and your practices. Keep up the beautiful and great sustainable work. And um, a round of applause for everybody here. Thank you so much. And now we'll open it up to questions. I bet I know where one is. Um, <laughs> we're going to go right to your right. There she is. Hello, everyone that I already Hi. know. I just want to bring something up that goes back. I've been in business for many decades. We used to give, and I still do, a three-ring binder to the client. I go over everything with the staff, and in the binder has where to dispose of something, how to take care of the sofa with XYZ, how to do all of that. And if you all want a second client from the client you're working with, you say, please share this with your friends and family. This is how, this is where, this is what. And I just had a client, I moved from here to the desert, and she had a whole new group of friends. And she had them over, she showed them the binder, four more clients. So Wonderful. another way to get them is So not to, a question, but a tip. But, but can, I, a tip. can I be honest? A That's lot of awesome. people would not look at that because they want you as the designer and the design team to already be educated on it. They don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. ah, so if anything, we should be sharing that amongst our with community. Ourselves. That's a good point. So that we can educate ourselves and not have to, you know. This could be a money-making venture for you. Yes, right I was going to say, are you Absolutely. available to create that for to my get clients? get it published. <laughs> Online publishing. <laughs> and a question right here. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this is a great discussion. I've been doing my own research to find all the vendors and, and do exactly what you guys are saying. And I also bumped into 3D printed furniture that is made out of agricultural waste. Now, I'm a Star Trek fan, so my vision of the future is that replicator. So I was wondering, how do you guys feel about 3D printed as an That's addition to the arsenal of how we are going to be more sustainable? We feel really good about it. We are producing three. Hold for the plane. 3D printed <laughs> lighting out of biodegradable nylon. We're producing 3D printed hardware out of uh, uh, metals. Uh, the process is extremely low waste because every bit that you need is used just for what you need it for, and then the rest is used for other products. So it's a very uh, sustainable method for producing, and we're very big advocates. Brilliant. Beautiful. Beautiful. Next question. Women Hi. In lovely jacket. So good to see you all. Great panel. So my question is, and either of you can answer, so when you're pitching to clients, how do you um, suggest using sustainable products, like in terms of incorporating that with everything else? Can I for a sec. Um, firstly, it's not everybody's intention. Right. They don't all start or care. Right. 
And so I wouldn't go in there saying, we will only do it this way because the client is the one in charge. But the more you get to know the client, you'll understand and get to, you know, as you do on every project, what they want. And sometimes they'll be super mindful about that for their children. So you can say, hey, I actually know of this paint and I know of these woods and I know that it's been cut from the right source and it's not gonna, it's not hurting the wildlife, things like that. So it's, a, it's up to us again, just to be educated to offer it. I wouldn't sit there and say, okay, what's your checklist and let's power through. It's just the more that you guys are working on the project, you can be mindful because you're educated. So it becomes second nature in a way where the, just the best decisions are obvious and there isn't a, you're not giving them a bad choice and a good choice. Right. Good choices. Oftentimes for us, we just put the products in front of them or the finishes in front of them that we think are best. And if we feel that a sustainable option is the best, then that's what they're going to see. Sometimes they will ask questions um, and it might lead us down a path towards a material we probably don't really want to use. And... Um, you know, we just tell them that. We will use it if they, you know, if they say, oh, I absolutely have to have that material, we'll go ahead and use it, but we'll then educate them about why we tend to stay away from it. And as a design build firm, we, as a matter of course, are doing uh, things in a home that we're renovating that are sustainable, changing out insulation or putting in double pane, pane glass uh, windows or, or water heaters that are low consumption. So. That happens whether or not the client is asking for it. And then on the sort of more um, forward thinking, we're, we're not orthodox about it. We offer the options and then let the clients make a decision and obviously support and urge when they're interested. For instance, I don't know about you, but lots of our clients like to have chef kitchens now. And you do not need real marble in a chef kitchen. So there's amazing choices. I'm going to plug Constantino again, but... They're not the only choice, but, you know, to make a beautiful chef kitchen that's practical for the client, they can entertain as much as they like, and you feel good as a designer offering them a beautiful brand with lots of options. For their main kitchen, they may want natural marble. That's absolutely fine, but at least you're, you know, pushing them in the right direction. Again, glam rooms. We've done a lot of glam rooms. We've done a lot of spas. A lot of clients like spas now in their homes. Absolutely. And so why do you need to spend or you know you can incorporate in so many different ways any other questions right here the gentleman in the back thank you uh, thank you for doing this this is a really great discussion i actually represent a door manufacturer that makes a 70 percent recycled product we've also been awarded uh, by the state of colorado for our you know manufacturing facility and all that um, it's really great to talk about sustainability of products, specifically in design, but what can you talk about energy efficiency and how important that is, not just leaving the product, but also how it performs and how important that is to the whole process? Thank you. Uh, well, there's uh, two aspects of, of construction that are important in that regard. One is an embodied uh, footprint of the energy that's put into the construction of the home, and then there's operational which is how the home operates once it's built and, and the people are using it. So those are two factors that you want to consider. What products are you putting into the home as you're building it? Where do those come from? What is the energy that's used to make them? And then once they're in the home, how is the energy that they are required, where is that coming from? How much is it? And, and uh, how can we be conscious about that? So it's a discussion that's sort of overarching uh, the whole process. So I appreciate you making that comment. I don't That's know. If wonderful. I think we are out of town. I'm getting the, uh, out of time. Out of town. <laughs> I'm out of town. <laughs>
Almost. Um, no, we are out of time. And thank you so much for all of you coming and asking such great questions. A round of applause for Claudia, Rachel, and Greg.